0: Today's reading is Acts two forty-two through forty seven. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good job. Just making sure you guys are awake there. Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. I've been here six months. You guys know what to expect. Good morning, Grace Long Beach. (laughs) Hey, there you are. There you are. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, Do you ever notice we don't say, like, welcome to Grace Long Beach? Why? Whoever said that, you get the gold star. Because we are. We're gonna talk about church today, and here's the reality of church. It's you guys. It's all of us. We are the church. This is a nice building, but we are the church. So we're going to talk about some things that Jesus tells us about his people, the church are like. We're going to look at some things that the early church did and see what's still consistent today and um, we're going to see what sticks, okay? So a, a word, just a little thought heading in. Typically when we hear things about ourselves, we really, really, really like the things that affirm us. You know what the other side of this coin is, right? Then there's the other things we don't want to hear, right? And so I I think about for myself, when I preach, there are some of you guys who are so encouraging. I love finding you after the service because you tell me what a great job I did and I feel like I did a great job and I feel great and, you know, all the warm fuzzies and all of that. But I know who I need to speak to. I have to go find my wife because my wife has heard me preach since like my first sermon and she will tell me the truth. She'll tell me what I need to hear. Now, I want to focus on you guys that are like, oh, it's so great. High five. Great job. But that actually doesn't help me get better. That's not what I need to hear. I need to hear the words of truth that my wife will say, hey, you said this thing really weird and it made no sense. That's what actually helps me get better. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to say some things today, and some of them are going to be like, yes, we are nailing this. We got it. Then there's going to be some other things. Just pretend it's my wife, not me saying it, right? Just kidding. Just kidding. There's some things that we all need to hear at times. And, and sometimes as we're talking about the church, and I'm like the dude, one of the people who's employed by the church, it feels weird. But God's word is still authoritative. I invite you, if you feel like I'm saying anything out of place, come speak to me. Let's have the conversation. I'm really, really open to that, to hear if I'm inerrant. And sometimes it's just my baggage. It's the preacher or the, you know, the pastor's baggage, because it's not just like our church was plopped down today. There's a history, right? A history that's actually bigger than Grace Long Beach. That's bigger than the church in North America. It's the global church. And sometimes the global church has done things really, really well. And we're really proud of that. We we like to highlight those moments. And sometimes the church throughout history has done things not so well. So then it feels weird, right? Like you have the idea of like, you know, the, the, the mega pastor with like multiple private jets, right? And it's like, uh, that just doesn't feel right. Maybe we should never talk about money because then what if people think like, oh gosh, like they're going to, you know, Will, Beth, and Daniel are going to be zipping all around the globe on private jets and... Like we both have the same old Toyota RAV4, I don't think that's one of our temptations. People who know our cars are laughing right now. So we're going to talk about some things. Uh, I want to start us though, I want to start us today as we talk about the church, reminding us where we are in the story, because that matters, right? We've been walking through this series, the story of scripture. We started a few weeks ago and we talked about creation and we said that God created everything. He created everything good. He created um, Adam and Eve. He created humanity. He said that they were very good. He created them in his image. And so that means that every fellow image bearer, every human that we meet has intrinsic worth and value in in them just because they are made in God's image. There is a value to their life. Another concept here is called the sanctity of life. And we say that every human is valuable. They're worthy. They're made in God. image all the way from the womb through the tomb right until we die every person matters because they're created in God's image and then God tells all these image bearers to go out and create culture go create stuff right God showed restraint in creation and my favorite example is God made cows and God made pigs and God made chickens and then he let us figure out how to make omelets I love that right God gave us trees and we figured out how to make houses. God showed restraint in creation and said, go create things, go create stuff. We're made in the image of a creator. So this makes makes sense that we would be creative as well. And individually we make cool things, but then collectively we make culture. And we talked about how big God is. And God is so big that he cannot accurately be reflected by his image bearers in just one monolithic culture. But we need diversity of culture to show us different facets of what God's like, like a diamond, right? You can see these different facets. And this is a really, really good thing. And then we see sin come in. See, you know, Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit and we see sin distorts every relationship they had. And I showed you guys, I I didn't show you, I blessed you guys with my artwork, my beautiful stick figure that had the arrows, right? Remember how sin distorts every relationship we have. It distorts our relationship with God, Adam and Eve, rather than walking in the cool of the day in the garden with God, they ran and hid from God. It distorted their relationship with one another. Rather than having this open relationship, there's, there's blame shifting. There's, um, um, uh, uh, guilt, right? Like all of these, these things that are put between the relationship with man and woman. They're trying to make clothes to hide, uh, from one another out of fig leaves. My boys love that part in the Jesus storybook Bible. And then we see the creation, the relationship with creation itself is distorted. Now there's thorns and thistles when they work. Now there's pain in childbirth. Now we have sickness we see even the physical creation is is distorted by sin we see our relationship with ourselves there's shame there's guilt there's fear there's all of these things that didn't exist and once again as we are not just individuals but we are part of a community Right, God said the only thing that wasn't good before sin was that man should be alone. It's not good that man is alone. We are created to be in relationship with one another. So now in relationship, as these image bearers are going out and creating really, really good cultures, we can see the creational good in every culture, but we also have to acknowledge... The cultural brokenness, the cultural idolatry, the ways that cultures fall short of the glorious God of God as well. And we talked about different names for this cultural idolatry, systemic brokenness, right? We're talking about the same things. What happens when people who are made in the image of God, who are fallen creatures for all have sinned, are making culture together. Things are broken. There's good and bad that we can see. And then Daniel had the super easy job of preaching from Genesis 12 all the way through the end of the book of John, about like how many thousands of pages of scripture is that. And he talked about the covenant that God created with his people, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who was renamed Israel, this covenant of of who he is, what he will do, and then their end of the bargain. And it didn't matter if his people held up their end of the bargain or not. We saw that God is faithful, but because God cares... He gives them a law to shape them, to shape their identity of who they are. He sends prophets to remind them, this is what God said to to, um, push them towards justice, to push them towards faithfulness, to push them towards obedience and towards worship. And sometimes they got it right, but a lot of times they didn't. And so after generation, after generation, we see God's patience, we see God's loving kindness, we see God's forgiveness, we see God's long suffering, Finally, God sends his son Jesus, God in the flesh, who dwelt among us, who gave us glimpses of what the kingdom is like, who fully embodied God in the flesh. And wherever he would go, we would see rather than uh, uncleanness or sin or contamination coming onto him, we would see holiness and forgiveness and righteousness flowing out of Jesus so he could push into these areas of brokenness and bring healing. He could push into these areas of unhealth and bring restoration. He could push into these areas of dead religiosity and bring vibrant relationship with God. And, as fallen image bearers often do, they didn't like it. If you've been around church for a while, you know the story. They have Jesus arrested, he's beaten, he's crucified, and he dies. He's buried, and on the third day, he rose again. And then Jesus appears to his disciples, he appears to the the women in the garden, He, he appears to a number of people and he says, stay in Jerusalem and I will send you my spirit. And that's what we celebrated last week, Pentecost, the coming of the spirit. We got to celebrate all of the many, many things that that does, that the Spirit empowers us to do, and, and we got to go around and pray. Some of you guys had listening prayer. Some of you guys prayed for our church. Thank you so much. I had a couple of people come up and say, hey, we prayed for you by name. Thank you. We appreciate that, and we need it. And some of us got to walk around the block and pray for our community. These are all things the Spirit empowers us to do, is to pray. And so now, as we continue the story, the story of Scripture in the church— We ask the question, what do God's people do? Now that Jesus has come, now that Jesus has sent his spirit, what does it mean to be the church, the called out ones? What does it mean to be the church? And so here's the deal. I feel like every single week we've said this. Daniel said it, I've said it. Every single week we've preached in this. There is so much we want to say. There are so many really important things that there is to say about what it means to be the church. We got to just choose a couple of them. And so as, as I prayed, as I've talked with Beth and Daniel, this is, this is what we got. We're going to see what Jesus, one of the things, only one of the things Jesus says, and then one quick snapshot from the book of Acts of what the early church did. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter five. If you have the pew Bible, that's the one underneath your chair. I guess they're they're more like seat Bibles, not pew Bibles right now that I think about it. If you have your seat Bible, reach really, really far. It's under there. I promise we're going to be on page 810. And we're going to see what Jesus, one of the, just one of the things Jesus says about his followers. This is in the midst of a long teaching that Jesus did called the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter five, we're going to pick up in verse 13. This is what Jesus says. You speaking to his followers are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Jesus gives us two images, two really common, ordinary images, salt and light. He says, this is what you guys are like. You're like salt and you're like light. Now, if you've been around church for a while, I'm sure you've heard tons of sermons about these images, about the salt and its saltiness and how the salt has to be rubbed in the food and the light and, and its brightness and how the darkness cannot overcome the light. And I just want to revisit these images, thinking through the lens of the church Because I think for some folks in church, the salt really resonates, right? We get it. We're salt. We feel it in our bones. Don't keep us on the shelf. The salt needs to be sprinkled into the food and not just like sprinkled on top of the food, right? But like on your Facebook free feed and you see the cooking videos where they like massage the meat, right? Like you got to rub the salt into the food so that the flavor is there. It's impacting the flavor because of its proximity. It's so close. And so we're the salt. We get it. We got to be out in the world. We got to be out there. We got to be around people who don't yet know Jesus. That's what gives us life life. And that's a really good thing. But then that continues, right? And you're in the food and you're, you're in the world and you're making a difference and you're telling people and you're around them. And you know, you start asking these questions like, man, like what is more valuable for me to just show up to church week after week, month after month, year after year, or actually spend some time with people who don't yet know Jesus. This is a good thing, this is how salt uses, utilizes its flavor. Can't be on the shelf. We gotta be out there, we gotta get out there. And if we make it to church, like, that's all right, but really, we gotta be in the world. And we're out there and we're being salt and we're impacting the people around us because that's what Jesus said. Jesus didn't just sit in heaven, Jesus went down to the world. And then sooner or later, you have that moment, right, where you realize, like, it may have been four and a half months since the last time we were at church. It may have been six months since I actually said anything about Jesus to anyone else. In all of my really good efforts of being salt, I may have lost my saltiness. Now, is it bad to do those things? No one's saying that. Does this mean that we're gonna start like a a calendar and you got a check box like every Sunday you come? No, 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 that's not what we're saying. We're saying for some people, that's how God created us to be in the world. The doers, that's a good thing, but we have to be honest. What is our time showing that we're worshiping? What is our money showing us that we're worshiping? What is our community who's around us showing that we're worshiping? If everything is divorced from the church, I would suggest we may have lost our saltiness. COVID didn't help. For honest. We got these opportunities to live stream and it's so easy you can just kick back. We did it. Going to church on your couch is awesome. Putting the kids in another room so you don't even need to worry about them. That's way easier. And then, you know, we can just tune in later. It's okay. We'll tune in later when we're not so like, you know, sleepy. I'm not a morning person. We'll just, we'll catch it in the afternoon. Well, maybe tomorrow. Ah, we just missed a couple. And then you have that moment where you realize we have convenienced ourselves away from Jesus. Okay, so I'm not only going to beat up on those people, right? Jesus gives us another image. We are light. You know what light is? Light is not darkness. Light is different. Light is distinct. Light is set apart, what the Old Testament would call holy Light cannot be contaminated by darkness. Think about it. If you go into my office and you turn the lights on and you open the drawer, inside the drawer is dark. If I slide the drawer open, the lights don't dim. The light fills the darkness. Can't be contaminated by darkness. It's different, it's distinct, it's separate. Light is different than darkness. Jesus says we are to call, called to be different. There, how many commandments of be holy for I am holy? There are lists of laws of holiness, of sacredness, of separateness from the world. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be distinct. We need to be different. We can't be contaminated. We need to be grouped together. We need to meet together to encourage one another, to remind one another of the gospel, to sing and to pray, and are any of these things bad? No. But sometimes, sometimes we are so busy being together and talking about how good God is and how much God loves the world, and then we start to ask the same questions of like, but once... When is the last time I've actually had a conversation with somebody who doesn't know Jesus? I think it was 1990. Is it bad to be holy? No, no one is saying that. Should you have an anxiety attack if you're gonna miss church one Sunday? That's probably a little bit unhealthy. This is what I mean when I say you gotta hear what what the Spirit is doing to you. Because I know for some of us, we're like, that's right. I'm not coming to church again for another six weeks because he said it was okay. You might need to ask yourself, which image is the spirit stirring up in you? And for others, it may be, you know what, all these people, you know those people. We see them. We see them. You see what they're doing. You know they're being contaminated by the world. There's no way they can't be contaminated. by You see what they're doing. Week in and week out, you see where they are, or where they aren't, are mm, 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 mm. You may be right, but the question is, what is the spirit saying to you? The problem with Jesus is he doesn't just give us one image. It would be so much easier. It would be so much easier to say, guys, we don't need to meet. Just go out. Just go tell everyone about Jesus. We're never going to meet back up again. We're never going to take communion together. Forget baptism. Forget the sacraments. Forget all these things. Just go be in the world. But he doesn't say that. It would also be easier if he just said, look, all right, all of us, holy huddle. We're grouping in, we're gonna build really, really, really high walls. No outside person is ever gonna get in. We're never gonna be corrupted by the world. We're just gonna worship. We're just gonna worship, we're just mm, just sing, and that's it, close our eyes. Don't, don't look, don't look. Don't look, cause that world out there, it might get you. He doesn't let us do either one of these things. So now we gotta figure it out together. So those of us who get it, who get it, hey, no, Jesus calls us to get outside the church. Some of us need to loosen up a little bit and we need to step outside this church and start being around people who don't yet know Jesus. And then all of us who are like, no, 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 we gotta get outside the church. We gotta get outside the church. You know what? We need to hear the other people and we need to come back to church and we need to sing and we need to pray and we need to read our Bibles. I think one of the things that happens is that God purifies his church generation after generation. There's an opportunity for God to purify his church generation after generation. Because the younger generation, we have insight to see what our parents' generation missed. The temptation is we spend so much time overcorrecting what our parents' generation did, we're missing our own blind spots. So then the next generation has to come and be like, man, my parents, knuckleheads. You know what they should have been doing. You know what they should have been about. It really should have been about this thing. And then the next generation has to come and correct their overcorrection. Grace, we are in a unique position with the number of generations we have here. This is an incredible asset. If we can stick together and hear clearly from one another, we have multiple generations of correction. This is an incredible opportunity that we have that the Lord has blessed us with to make an impact in Long Beach. I'm reminded of um, one of my favorite artists. He's he's a hip-hop artist. His name is Common. Some of you may not be familiar with him, and that's okay. He has a line uh, he talks about in in the song he did for the movie Selma. Uh, for, for the revolution, for the civil rights movement to, to move forward. We need the wisdom of old people and young people's energy. There's something to that. We need the wisdom of people who have done this longer than us. We need the insight of people who are younger and who have new ideas. And you know who's more important in that equation? Jesus. Jesus because this is his church, and this is his mission that we get to partner in. And to elevate one over above the other, the salt or the light, the young or the old, the whatever or the whatever, is nonsense. It's foolishness. He says, you are salt and you are light. You are a body, all parts working together. The eye can't say we don't need the ear. The foot can't say we don't need the hand. We need all of us at the table. And we need to value everyone's voice in this thing. Because no one's showing up just thinking, like, how can I wreck it? How can I just do the worst? I would, lo- I would love to do the worst today. No one actually thinks that or says that, right? But we can learn from one another. So how do we live this out? How do we live the salt and light and all of these things that we're called to be out? Let's look at the example of the early church. They do three really ordinary things. We're going to be in the Book of Acts. So we came from the book of Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are called the gospels. They tell the story of Jesus's life. Then we have the book of Acts. And this is like the in-between, right? It's from when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the father, when he sent the spirit, which we celebrated last week at Pentecost. And then we see what his disciples start to do, how they start to live out their faith in their context, how they live out their faith in Jerusalem. And then they move to the kind of outskirts to Judea and Samaria, to the parts of town that you don't really go. And then, they start going to the ends of the earth. We get this, this, these pictures of how the spirit moved them. And it can be really helpful for how we live out our faith as the church today. So Acts chapter two, we're going to pick up in verse 42. You guys heard this read beautifully before the sermon started. We get this description. Peter has just preached a sermon where 3000 people from three different continents were saved they came to faith how do you preach a sermon after that and not just feel like a failure right i always wonder that anyways that's that's a free one that's a side note acts chapter 2 verse 42 and they the followers of Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship, meeting together, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in the homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's notice a few things. Um, They spent a lot of time together. Day by day. They gather together, fellowship, breaking of bread, apostles' teaching, praying together, worshiping together, meeting in homes together, discussing needs together, strategizing about how to meet those needs together. It's a lot of time. It's not lost on me, the demands of your time. We get it. (laughs) We have... Two young kids, too. We're all busy. And some things just take time. If you make a choice to put your kids in sports, there is a time commitment that's hard and it's heavy. And I wish I had the magic answer, we're wrestling with it, too. We feel the tension. Sorry kids, I'm going to give like a little spoiler here. I've had so many conversations with parents. At times, my wife and I, feeling the tension of like, oh my gosh, I really, 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 really hope they win their game. And it would be awesome to be home before the sun goes down. (laughs) Thank you. It's supposed to be fun. It doesn't always feel like that. It's hard. Like, asking for people's time is a big ask. I get that. It's not lost on me, right? Not standing up here saying, look, look, all you guys need to quit all the things and just, you know, live at the church and we'll set up bunk beds and, like, never leave, right? Like, that's not what we're saying. And, not but, and there is a rat reality. We make time for what's important to us. We feel the struggle with you. All right. Please don't hear us saying like, look, 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 this thing's bad. That thing's bad. You work those extra hours this week. You must be a workaholic, right? Like no one is saying that. But what we're saying is this is between you and Jesus in a very real way, not in a cliched way. Things require prayer and discernment, including how we spend our time. When we talk about Christ in all of life, we literally mean all of life. That means the boys' basketball games at the YMCA. That means the hours at which I choose to take meetings have to be brought into discernment. Because the pressures that we feel in our current context are heavy. You gotta do more. You gotta perform. Do you know the price of gas? You gotta work hard. We all feel it. We all feel it. Every stage of life. I have conversations. Every stage of life is feeling it. And that's part of why we need one another. It's too heavy to bear alone. It's too difficult to discern in isolation. The echo chambers are too loud. We need the voices of one another with our time. I hope that you can hear, like, this is not a flippant thing. We feel this in our own family's life. But part of how we worship God is by stewarding our time well. So now I feel like the gimmicky salesman who does the pitch, right? And if you'd like to volunteer, (laughs) but really, if you'd like to volunteer, we have opportunities. And one of the things that was so exciting to us as we came out here to to move into the community and to serve with you guys was the excitement. Is the excitement here at Grace? Is the anticipation God is doing something? We've turned a corner. We're starting a new chapter. God is on the move. You know, have you seen this? Did you notice that? People are excited. We're excited with you. And the reality is when God is on the move, things happen. Not through magical forces but through real people who show up. So as God is inviting us into a neighborhood in Long Beach to start this asset-based community development process, we're excited and we trust that God will do what he always does. He calls his people to serve and to love and to get to know their neighbors and then they start asking questions and we start telling them about Jesus and they start making decisions to follow him. What that means, God willing, is that people show up. So just like in Acts, when they broke bread together, somebody had to wake up early and knead the dough and put the bread in the oven. Somebody needs to show up and be part of the welcome team. Somebody needs to show up and volunteer for kids' ministry and for youth ministry. See, that's how this works. We don't say, welcome to grace. We say, welcome, grace, grace. We say good morning, Grace, because we are the church. And I don't know about your house, but in my house, the boys have chores. I have things I need to do. Erin has things that she needs to do. So if you're part of the family, you figure out what your chores are and how you're going to help out. This is not new. This is what the church has always done. They show up with their time. Somebody wakes up early, I don't know, what do you do with bread? Beth, I feel like you know what to do. Like, do you need bread? Yeah, you need, you gotta need the bread, right? You gotta roll the bread. Whatever you do with the bread, somebody's gotta do it. You gotta bake the bread, I know that one. You gotta bake the bread, right? If we're doing communion, somebody's got to pour the wine. It was this beautiful moment this morning. We were praying before service, and, and the communion service showed up, and I could hear the wine being poured, and it reminded me of this passage, and it made me think, how many millions of faithful people across the globe show up on a Sunday morning to pour wine in a cup? How many people get to experience Jesus because of that? Showing up and pouring wine in a cup they were sacrificial with their time they were sacrificial with their money to the point that it hurt this is the scary one to talk about they sold possessions as there was need what does this imply it implies within their group of people some had possessions they could sell some had need you know what it didn't say The apostles made a checklist and they were like, we know how many possessions you have, you better start selling some of them. No, that's not what happened. What happened was people understood who Jesus is, who gave up heaven to put on flesh, taking the very form of a servant, emptying himself, becoming obedient to the point of death poured out his life as a ransom for many and they said if I'm following him that's what I'm going to do not here to twist your arm not here to manipulate you the character of people who follow Jesus is one of generosity because Jesus is a generous God when we sing about the lavish love of God that was poured out upon us we are talking about the generous nature of who God is If we claim to follow him, we are marked by generosity. I wish there was a different way. It'd be much easier when gas is over $6 a gallon. But this is one of the things God's people do. So here comes the infomercial again. If you're feeling called to give, there's a QR code. And it's funny, guys, and like, you know, I do that to kind of like mellow out my awkwardness with the subject that i'm sure you can sense but here's the reality we can see what we worship on our schedules and in our bank accounts this is one of those that i'm like dang it man now i'm preaching it now i know the spirit's gonna like you guys gotta you know but this is the reality god's people show up They serve one another, and they serve people who don't yet belong to their group, and they're generous with their time, with their abilities, and with their money. There's no, like, magic, right, like, new thing, right? Like, it would be great if we could say, okay, here's the story of Scripture, and you know what this means? This means we get to do this new, exciting, like, Disneyland thing. Like, no. God's people just show up. They pour wine in a cup. They put money in a box. They pray together together. They love one another. They give sacrificially. And something about that is really compelling. In a world that says, do whatever you want, whenever you want, hearing no, there's actually a better way. You don't have to shoulder the burden of figuring it out anymore. There's a better way and it's an old way. And it's a beautiful way. It's a way that looks out for the other. It's a way that trusts something bigger than us. I don't know about you, but if the last few years have taught me anything, I cannot fix much. In our country, in our world, in our state, even in our city. But there is one who can. And so we're invited to follow him. With the real, everyday, mundane stuff of our lives. With our time, with our money, with our talents, and so I'm going to pray, and um, I'm, I'm going to call our attention again, and I'm going to do hard not to feel guilty about it, uh, to the insert in your bulletin, and there are two QR codes there, and one of the QR codes is to serve. And now there's opportunities to serve. There's opportunities to serve in children's ministry, ministry and youth ministry on our welcome team, who, which we would love to, to beef up and to revamp. We have an opportunity to serve during the summer. We're going to have a coffee hour or time, maybe not an hour, <laughs> uh, where, where people can come and hang out and, and spend time together and drink really good coffee. Uh, we have opportunities to serve. And, and Grace, if God is doing what we sense God is doing, um, we're going to need help. And there was a reality a few years ago when we were bigger that we could just hire help. But this is who God has kept here. Now we are the remnant. We are the ones that God is choosing to use to impact this city. It's not time to look at anyone else. It's time. It's time to step up. And so there's an opportunity to give with your time. There's an opportunity to give with your money. And I'm just going to pray that the Spirit will do what He wants to do. Good? I love you guys. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it says things that we don't want to say, but that are good for us. I thank You that... While it is true you are a good and a generous and a loving God, you are also a God who empowers us to do hard things. You are a God who sets expectations for us. You are a God who provides boundaries for us. And, Lord, help us to discern those things. So often it just simply means picking up our Bible and reading it or praying and asking your spirit to speak. So, Lord, would you do those things? Would you bring people around us? Would you make us open to hear from the people you have already brought around us who can speak truth into how we are being the church? Lord, for the salty people who are out there in the world and displaying Jesus, would you bless them and also help them to be light? For the light people who understand the importance of being separate being set apart for you living a different way to what the world says lord would you make them salty or for all of us give us courage to do the things your people have always done tell other people about how good you are pray consistently read our scriptures consistently and live with a posture of generosity and sacrifice. We thank you that you care about this more than we do, that you care about us more than we can imagine. Lord, as we move forward in our sermon, we thank you for the reminders of those things in the bread and and in the cup. The truth that you sustain us, that you empower us, that you still interact with us. We thank you for that sweet truth. Would it nourish us this week? Pray these things in your name. Amen.